الجزيرة بودكاست That's the sound that millions of Americans tune into every day during their commute. And it's how many Americans get their news. Sometimes people are just listening to the radio as they're working, and, and as a result, that, that is their main news source. Ahead of the United States midterm elections on November 8th, Al Jazeera's The Listening Post did a deep dive into the world of conservative talk radio. The GOP needs to talk about the following three things. Crime, the border, and the economy. But what exactly is it? And how is it driving the trajectory of voting choices for half of the country? I'm Hala Mahiyadeen, and this is The Take. My name's Flo Phillips. I'm the senior producer and reporter for The Listening Post, which is Al Jazeera English's weekly media analysis and critique program. Tell us about your latest project. You rode around the United States listening to talk radio. Is that right? That's exactly right. So we put out a film which is called The Right Frequency Is Talk Radio Dividing America? And it's all about the medium of talk radio, which is a uniquely American medium. And I think it's quite important off the top to flag that when we're talking about talk radio in America, we're specifically talking about conservative talk radio. And Flo says she was inspired to dig deeper into this space after former US President Donald Trump won the 2016 election. We started to think as well on the listening post, like, wow, did we miss a trick? Did we not understand? And I think we all realized that we hadn't given enough time to understanding what was going on outside this relatively liberal legacy media echo chamber. And that's when we decided to spend a lot more time understanding the power of talk radio, how it is as successful as it is. And with the midterms upcoming, we wanted to look at whether talk radio was still holding as much power as it had done over the past kind of 30 years. But before we continue, what exactly is conservative talk radio? Flo says it's like sitting down at a dinner table. They're talking about what everyone else is talking about that day, but they're doing it from a conservative perspective. And one of the biggest misconceptions about conservative talk radio is that all that they do is kind of blather on about national politics all day. But that's not actually what they do. What they're doing is they're talking about kind of water cooler chatter that everyone else is talking about, but from a conservative viewpoint. It could be anything, any of the major partisan issues that are on the table right now. It could be the economy, it could be abortion, it could be immigration, it could be gun control, it could be, you know, democracy itself, you know, so Trump's stolen election narrative. May God forbid that uh, losers will be declared winners by fraudulent uh, election officers or secretary of state candidates or governors or state legislatures. And you get this sort of unfiltered, unapologetically conservative host who is repackaging news of the day, making it more relatable, but lacing it with their own opinion, an opinion that really resonates with the right wing. And the reason they're able to talk about this in such a one-sided way 
is because of a change in the law. The fairness doctrine had said that if you treat one side of an issue, you have to give equal time to the other side of the issue. But in 1987, the Reagan administration dissolved that. And all of a sudden, talk radio, for example, was no longer beholden to tell one side of the story. Tell me more about some of the personalities and the people of talk radio. Well, I think a talk radio host, they are personalities. And that's one of the reasons that they're so popular and they're so powerful. And there are not just hundreds, but thousands of them. And they range in terms of how popular they are, how famous they are, how listened to they are wildly. So you can have national syndicated hosts. One of the most notable hosts being Rush Limbaugh, who many credit as popularising this industry. It's a brand new week of broadcast excellence hosted by me. Rush Limbaugh, household name in all four corners of the world. It's His show, The Rush Limbaugh Show, aired on radios across the United States from 1988 until his death in 2021. I'm going to be sharing the thoughts I want to share with you today. I'm going to just do it at random whenever it hits me, whenever I feel it. I gotta but then right you now. have many more local hosts and they're doing something a little bit different. You go into the gas pump, 350, 360. That's not Democrat or Republican. That just stinks to high heaven. Your pay cut that you took because of inflation, Joe Biden. They're not just talking about national politics. They're talking about how national politics resonates on a local level. And they're often people who've been doing it for sort of 30, 40 years. And they're very much part of their community. And they have a lot of sway, don't they, local radio hosts? I mean, I know people will tend to think that the big stars are the news and everything, but in actual fact, if you want real star power, you're anchoring the local news. I I, I totally agree. I mean, that really came through. So one of the things that we really wanted to do with this film was obviously to talk to people in the industry and talk to analysts, but really to talk to listeners and find out why they find this medium so, so powerful and why it connects with them so strongly. And we met this lady in a place called Ashland, Virginia. She runs a barbecue restaurant and she talks about her relationship with her local talk radio host, this guy called Jeff Katz. And the way that she talked about him was as if he was her closest friend in the world. But my main go-to guy here is Jeff Katz with WRVA, who is my buddy, my pal, my, you know, my go-to. And, and she said, you know, the thing is, Flo, that I speak to him for three hours every single day. He's talking one-on-one to me. That's what radio feels like. It has such an intimacy. I feel like that when, when Jeff's show is over, that he and I have had a living room chat. He makes it resonate with them on a local level. He makes them understand a lot of maybe the political jargon that otherwise might go over their head. And people like Wendy, who you just heard from, are typical of the average talk radio listener. They're not extreme political activists. They're regular everyday people who lean conservative. They tend to be, but not exclusively, right-wing, socially and culturally conservative, often white, evangelical Christians, and they tend to live in the more kind of rural parts of America. 
those who either don't feel that they're being heard by the corridors of power in Washington, D.C., or, as we found a lot, don't feel that they're being heard by the mainstream, the legacy media. Talk radio can be, at times, incredibly poisonous and toxic. You know, you listen to some of what Rush Limbaugh put out there, and there are commentary that is misogynistic, it's xenophobic, it's homophobic. Here's Rush Limbaugh talking about a female college student advocating for free contraceptives. What does that make her? It makes her a slut, right? Makes her a prostitute. She wants to be paid to have sex. There are lots of problems with what gets said on talk radio. And as a result, it has an understandably very bad reputation. But it's not all like that. And the listeners aren't all xenophobic, homophobic, misogynistic listeners. They are your everyday Republican classic voters and... I think that what a lot of people like Wendy have felt, they felt that what Talk Radio offers them is news and views that align with their political values. And I think that does not mean that they are all of a exactly the same type and mould. They're just people looking for information that suits their sensibilities. And a sense of community as well, no? Yeah, I think it's offered them a community, somewhere where people can go and share their ideas and their views and their values in a safe space, as it were. And it makes them feel like they have a connection, like they're part of a community, a companionship. But how can that sense of community blur the lines between news and entertainment? We'll get into that after the break. Hello, I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. In season four, we carry on exploring the lives of history's most notable figures, from Rosa Parks to Pol Pot. We meet the people who changed the way we think about our world and those who left it marked by their infamy. Hindsight from Al Jazeera, wherever you get your podcasts. I've been speaking with Al Jazeera journalist Flo Phillips, who drove across America listening to conservative talk radio ahead of the midterms. She's been explaining why it plays such an important role in the American media landscape. And Flo says this popularity stems from something uniquely American, long car commutes. One of the reasons that this medium is so powerful is the car is a big thing in America. Mm. And... Everybody goes everywhere in their cars. And so people are on their commute, they're traveling huge distances or they're sitting in a traffic jam and they are just listening to the radio and they're tuning in for a familiar host, a friend. And Virginia-based host Jeff Katz, who you heard about earlier, has the prime drive time slot. Let's talk about Jeff then. Just explain, who is he and what did he have to say about his role in talk radio? So Jeff Katz is a local host. He's based in the southern state of Virginia. He's in Richmond. It is a Wednesday afternoon. Can you believe it? He is one of a number of local hosts, but pulls a strong listenership. I think his numbers range from sort of 60 to 100,000 a day wow. on any given day of the week. Jeff's numbers speak for themselves. 
And Flo says that a large part of this is because he entertains. But there's a danger to this. People can't often tell the difference between what is news and what is opinion. And that's the really tricky thing about talk radio. Is it news or is it entertainment? Talk to me about the Jeff Cat show itself. It's very engaging. It's high energy. It'll be a victory for common sense. It'll be a victory for those of us who are moms and dads. It'll be a victory for every single one of us who gets up every single day and goes to work and tries to pay the bills. He has a very good way with the microphone. As as he described it, he makes sure that what he's talking about are things that are going to interest and engage and keep his listeners. He understands that his role is to disseminate information, but he knows that he's not going to be able to do it unless he he does it in an entertaining way. And he assumes that his listeners know that that's part of his job. What kind of topics does he cover? And, and how does that affect the people you talk to about their voting decisions? Yeah, so I asked him, you know, what are the hot button issues that that you find that your listeners are tuning in for? And he talked about Joe Biden. And yeah, he doesn't like Biden much, does he? I don't think many of the talk radio hosts like Biden, and I think they utilize that to their advantage. I asked this to Jeff Katz. I said, is your job easier when the Democrats are in power? And he's like, it's much easier. It's really easy to take down somebody that you don't agree with. I think the the Joe Biden faux pas of the day, I mean, this this is somebody that you you couldn't write the script for uh, for our president. Uh, I think he is- and he says that a lot of things he talks about are how Biden's policies and Biden's decisions filter down to the people of Richmond, Virginia. So the price of gas or empty supermarket shelves, a lot of the real issues that, you know, are resonating with people every day, but he links them to how a decision made by the president in D.C. is impacting their daily lives. People are having a real tough time, again, with the price of gas, with the fact that Americans for the first time are going into supermarkets and seeing empty shelves. That's just not American. That's not something we have dealt with. And so these are all real issues for real people. Everything that is discussed is localized and then has a conservative spin put on it. Look at Loudoun County. You got a young lady goes into the bathroom. There's a guy who shows up in a skirt, sexually assaults her, Well, that's not a Democrat or Republican thing. That's a hell no. I want my kid to be safe in school. And I especially, as the father of a daughter, want to make sure she's not sexually assaulted, for God's sakes. When you spoke with Jeff Katz, how did he respond to that? Did he see himself as a purveyor of news or opinion? How does he see his role? So Jeff Katz, he sees himself as being there to be part of the community, bolster the community, talk about important issues. And he talks a lot about how he is there to put forward his point of view, but that is what it is. It's a point of view and people should understand that he's giving them is his take on the news and that he's there to entertain. I very clearly asked him, do your listeners understand that you're not telling them how to go out and vote? I don't tell people how to vote. I do share with people how I think and how I'm voting. And if they choose to agree, they choose to agree. But the point is, 
that they don't necessarily always understand that. They don't make that differentiation, and that is where the problem lies. And when you talk to Wendy or other listeners, did you get the sense that they understood that the shows that they're listening to are entertainment and not pure news? I think that was understood at different levels. People have opportunities to take in news in, you know, depending on their jobs or their time. I get my news from Jeff. You know, he keeps me in the loop. We trust him. Yeah, and he's helped a lot of folks who didn't feel like they were as well educated in the national front. I think he and what we tried to show is that different people see talk radio in different ways, and that's kind of where the problem can lie. I'm deciding, based on other sources, how much of what they're saying is factual and how much is their opinion. I think you have to have a healthy dose of skepticism to understand that that's, everybody has an agenda. So I think people understood talk radio to be doing slightly different things sometimes to what it's actually doing. And while Jeff Katz says that, you know, he he's not telling people how to vote and he's just sharing how he thinks and how he's voting and if they choose to agree, they choose to agree. The problem is that actually, you know, his sign-off every day is Jeff Katz, News Radio, WRVA. Well, that's implying one thing, but actually doing another. And that's where the lines are so blurred in talk radio. It's very hard for people to be able to see where that line is being drawn. This isn't just confined to the radio, is it, though? There is a larger conservative media ecosystem. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so talk radio as we know it today, sort of modern talk radio, the industry really took off with Rush Limbaugh and more and more people began to realise that they could, you know, be successful in his mould. Shortly after Rush Limbaugh's rise, Fox News was launched. That's a popular conservative cable news channel. So the spirit and the aesthetic of what Rush Limbaugh was doing on radio became the spirit and the aesthetic of what you got on Fox News. Democrats are wetting their pants over the midterms. Is a mentally ill, drug-addicted, illegal alien nudist who takes hallucinogens and lives in a hippie school bus in Berkeley with a BLM banner and a pride flag out front. What does this sound like to you? It's all based on identity politics. She's black, she's lesbian. What else do you know about her? And Flo says that this has expanded outside of TV onto digital platforms like Breitbart and Red State, both conservative websites. And so Talk Radio and Rush Limbaugh became a central part in now a much larger right-wing media ecosystem where the templates and the topics and even some of the hosts move between different platforms, this kind of revolving door of right-wing rhetoric. So some TV personalities who are on air on Fox News are also big stars on talk radio stations. For example, this is Sean Hannity on his talk radio show with over 13.5 million listeners a week. The Democrats have bought into a sick, ugly, failed ideology, and they're all locked into it. They all need to be deprogrammed because none of the policies that they're advocating for are working. They're all hurting the American people. And now they're all part of this much larger conservative media ecosystem, all of which are revolving around this idea 
that opinion is actually sells better and is more successful than just objective journalism. And this is all quite important, really, when you consider the, the reach and influence that, that conservative media has, not least because the, the US has midterm elections coming up. So what do you think this media ecosystem is going to mean, A, for democracy, but also for the future of the Republican Party itself? I, I don't want to insinuate that having a right-wing media ecosystem is a problem in itself, because I think that there should be a plethora of opinion out there. I think the problem lies when it is deliberately divisive or when it starts to push politics further and further to the extremes. And I think that's one of the problems with the American media system is that it has been divided so clearly down liberal and conservative lines that people don't necessarily, they're not exposed to any other beliefs or any other values or any other news. So that's where it becomes very dangerous. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Chloe K. Lee with Alexandra Locke, Ashish Mahotra, Nagin Oliai, Amy Walters, Ruby Zaman and me, Hala Mahiedin. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Elmalek and Adam Abugad are our engagement producers. Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back on Wednesday.